a Baptist minister with a doctorate in divinity, and they were proud of their service as enlisted men. By the end of the weekend, I felt as if all those Marines were my good friends, including Bill. Our friendship deepened in the years that followed. I visited Bill often, sometimes in the company of the old Marines, who gathered at Bill's house once a year. Bill and I chatted by phone regularly. We talked history, politics, and always baseball, specifically the annual autumn demise of our Boston Red Sox. He asked for, and I sent him copies of my stories. I felt certain that he would never finish Defender of the Realm, but when I suggested that he find someone to complete the book, he would shake his head, no. He and his publisher, Little Brown, regularly received calls and letters, even surprise office visits, from fans around the world asking when the book would be finished. In 2001, Bill told the New York Times that he could no longer put words to paper. Eventually, he agreed to consider a collaborator, but none proposed worked out. My surprise, therefore, was total when late one evening in early October 2003, during one of my visits to Middletown, Bill asked me to finish Defender of the Realm. You write, he said. I'll edit. My red pencils are sharpened and ready. He sent me home that weekend with about a dozen of his clumps and several books having to do with the Battle of Britain. My mission was to write sixty pages on the Blitz. Based on their impression of my sample chapter, Bill, Don Congdon, Bill's agent of fifty years, and Little Brown decided I should proceed. Our collaboration began. But it would not last long. By early 2004, Bill was very ill. He died on June 1st. By then I had realized that his clumps were not intended for literal transcription, but had served Bill as a narrative catalyst. The notes were arranged neither strictly chronologically, nor by topic or character. Bill had inked into the margins numerous shorthand reminders and color-coded references to topics and sources only he could decipher. Some he had explained to me, others he had not. The notes had helped guide Bill toward a form, a portrait of Churchill, that he had already envisioned, much as an architect's rough line drawings can conjure in his mind an image of his finished building. The notes contained enormous amounts of information, but they had no outline and no sense of narrative structure. Bill's notes spoke to him in ways they could not speak to me. Over the course of several months, I assembled much of the original source material Bill had used, including the full transcripts of the interviews he had excerpted in his notes. To this I added a digital edition of Winston S. Churchill, his complete speeches, 1897 to 1963, edited by Robert Rhodes James, along with new editions of memoirs and diaries of Churchill's contemporaries. I perused official British government documents that had not been released when Bill was assembling his notes. I reread Bill's earlier biographies and histories for insight into his approach to narrative pace and cadence. Only then could I begin to write the book. Bill spent many years on the Wesleyan University campus as an adjunct professor of history and writer-in-residence, but he was not an academic. He was a storyteller who made history accessible by masterful use of the dramatist's tools, plot, setting, and character. He and I often discussed his approach and agreed that the biographer must get out of the way of his subject, who should be placed squarely within his times and be allowed to speak and act for himself. 
in the case of the greatest Englishmen of the 20th century, the importance of doing so is obvious. At the start of the project, I spoke at length with the eminent British historian Sir John Keegan, who offered encouragement and guidance. Churchill's namesake grandson, Winston S. Churchill, gave generously of his time up to his death in 2010, answering yet more questions on the subject of Sir Winston, as did Churchill's daughter, Lady Soames. I thank the following friends and colleagues who offered wise counsel as the years went by. Many read and commented on the manuscript in its various stages. Sanford K., Jim Case, Rich Cooper, Jane Deering, Tess Van Dyke Gillespie, Bill Gillespie, David Rising, Jeff Baker, Albine Erzik, Brigadier General, U.S. Army, retired.